the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Forget the phones. Smartphones are everywhere now, but you don't have to be all that old to remember when. If you heard your phone ring, it meant, you know, you were home. Now millions of people, especially kids, are addicted to their phones, and it's kind of sad and pathetic to see people out there walking their dog and they're looking at their phone and almost, you know, getting hit by a car because of it. Adults are bad enough, but, you know, what's it doing to kids? And, and with their dependence on and, and obsession with phones, if schools were really interested in making sure that they get the most out of their education, wouldn't they tell them not to bring them to school? Isn't school a, a perfect opportunity to pry their faces away from those phones for six or seven hours a day? Jeremy Adams at The Federalist has a story up uh, that points out that France banned phones from schools in 2018. Italy did it last year, and the U.K. did it last week. And he points out that banning phones has led to higher test scores and that heavy phone use is connected to lower grade point averages. So why would that surprise anybody? I've been wondering for a while why schools ever considered allowing kids to have phones. And I've seen stories written about it where uh, mothers say that they, they like to have the ability to you know communicate with their kid. They want their kid to be able to connect with them, which brings up the question, of course, how did the kiddies survive all those years without being able to call or text mommy during the school day? And isn't school supposed to be about a kid learning how to fend for himself a little bit, you know, without being able to lean on mom for help or advice? You know, helping him grow up a little bit. How could anybody who's been paying attention for the last 10 years or so not believe that kids having smartphones on them 24 hours a day has been bad for them? Well, now maybe the uh, – well, how many times in a restaurant, by the way, have you seen a family – and the parents and the kids are all on their phones and not talking to each other, those are the people who probably would object to being told that their kid should leave his cell phone at home. And the fact that the people running the schools don't have the guts to push back against the stupidity says a lot about what's wrong with the schools right now. Speaking of what's wrong with schools, when we come back, we're going to have Tyler O'Neill, the Daily Signal, here to talk about how school districts with DEI officers see worse black and Hispanic learning loss, and secret, more secretive transgender policies. Another case of doing things that make you feel good but make things worse. And in our second half hour, guess which movie studio has done the best job of making sure that plenty of LGBTQ content gets into their movies? I'll let you think about it, and then we'll tell you. Stick around. Well, I'm sure you've seen plenty of stories about how schools are uh, spending huge amounts of money to hire experts in DEI, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. And maybe you've uh, wondered how that helps kids learn, which is, you know, kind of why they're in school. Well, apparently it doesn't. Um, Tyler O'Neill is managing editor of The Daily Signal. He joins us now. Tyler, thanks for coming on. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. So your partners at the Heritage Foundation did a study about this. Uh, what did they find? Yeah, so they found that that in the past two years, and this is just from 2021 to 2023, the percent the percentage of large school districts 
where the chief diversity officer rose from 39% to 48%. And that rise in DEI staff actually correlated with worse results for black and Hispanic students in math in particular. And this doesn't just mean learning loss like we saw everywhere in the pandemic. This is measured by standard deviation. So it's showing that these black and Hispanic students are not just doing worse than they were before the pandemic, but they're doing worse than uh, comparable white students who also had a decline in their educational attainment in math. So they, they, and I, according to the story, uh, the taxpayer spent $190 billion around the country uh, so they could pre- pre- prevent learning loss during the pandemic. But then they, want, they used, I guess, the money that was left over from that to hire these chief uh, diversity officers? Yeah, so what, what we saw, and I mean, this is a story throughout the pandemic years, there was all this money shoveled into things such as education in this case, um, but they they didn't have they didn't know what they were going to spend it on, so they got all this money to fight the pandemic, and in some cases, you know, they knew they wanted to install plexiglass to protect teachers at the front of the class or something. They knew they wanted to get masks or you know prioritize the vaccine, but in a lot of cases, there was a lot of money left over, and this happened right at the same time as George Floyd, as the Black Lives Matter riots as we saw kind of this, you know, bizarre awakening across the country of a whole bunch of people following white guilt and thinking that, oh, America is institutionally racist and what can we do about it? And, oh, we have this money. Why don't we use it to hire diversity, equity, and inclusion staff? And so that's one of the main reasons we saw a ballooning in DEI staff. And, I mean, this is this is across education in general, we're talking here about elementary and secondary education, but we also saw, you know, huge expansion in universities, which are pumping out people, you know, they have these, this DEI bureaucracy, which essentially translates to the left institutional priesthood in these schools that force these institutions to abide by the left's orthodoxy and then help the institutions produce good little foot soldiers from the students and change them into agents for leftist cultural change. Um, and so, what, but what we've seen here is that this DEI shift, especially in our schools, is having, you know, it, it's not clear what exactly is causing this, but there at least is a big correlation between school districts that have a chief diversity officer and the districts that are perform that are serving the students least when it comes to math statistics in particular, and when it comes to these racial minorities. Now, I I don't think you or the or people who did the study would know the answer to this, but what do you suppose? What would be the uh, reaction to the superintendent of the school district or the principals when they spent the money to hire these uh, CDOs um, uh, and the year ends, and they look, and I say, hey, uh, 
Looks to me like the test scores and the grades uh, for the black kids and the Hispanic kids went down. We made things worse. Do they ever admit to that when they when they when they you know when they throw gigantic amounts of money at something and then find out that yeah it made us feel really good but it made things worse. So if passed as any prologue, I would expect them to say that these results are just more evidence of the institutional racism oh. in America's schools and suggest that, you know, this has nothing to do with their changes and everything to do with how horrible American society allegedly is. Um, but, you know, you, we'd, we'd have to ask them. Yeah. Um, so these, these people who are hired to, to focus on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, – are they actually? Is it possible that they are actually that that uh, attempt to focus on that actually takes away from what they're supposed to be doing, which is you know teaching them how to read or, or do math? So they're actually yeah. it actually directly affects what they're trying to pour into these kids' brains. Yeah. So I mean, it, it is theoretically possible that the translation, you know, the change of money in these circumstances would not directly negatively impact education, that, you know, perhaps they would double down on making sure that reading, math, and arithmetic, or reading, writing, and arithmetic were compensated for these decreases. But in general, it is true that the more, the more time and energy you put into focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion is less time and there's an opportunity cost that often translates to a loss of learning and a failure to produce the main goal that these schools exist for, which is preparing these students to learn. Yeah, and um, you see stories everywhere about how just in general the test scores around the country are, are, are down and um, and you just wonder the the who, the people who are running these schools uh, have they actually just lost focus on what they're supposed to be doing that they instead of teaching kids what you're supposed to be teaching them in school they're indoctrinating them which is the word that you know we we hear and see all the time that, that that's what's going on it's it's a focus on indoctrination rather than teaching. Well, and what we saw, you know, what was very interesting about this study, that indoctrination piece, I think, is key, because you know, Jay Green, the senior research fellow at Heritage's Center for Education Policy, who wrote the report, uh, told me, you know, he had this great quote. He's like, "Wow, chief diversity officers were academically counterproductive. They appear to have accomplished ideological goals." And by that, he's specifically mentioning an uptick in transgender policies. These are policies that direct schools to hide from parents so that parents are the last to know if their child claims at school to identify with gender opposite their biological sex. So, you know, if a kid comes out at school and says, oh, I'm, I'm transgender, but don't tell my parents, these schools are directed to keep a secret from parents and in some cases even lie to parents. Um, and, you know, this, these policies are directly correlated 
with the presence of a chief diversity officer in a school district. So whenever you see one of these DEI staff, you're likely to also see a policy that hides, that makes, that takes transgender secrets and keeps them from parents. And I'm just wondering, having, it's been a long time since I was in school, but I'm trying to imagine um, uh, how they are able to infuse this into reading, writing, and arithmetic. Um, uh, do, you, do you go into a room and does somebody come in and, and teach you what a racist country they're living in? Is it, is it, is it do they sneak it in there somehow? Uh, are that, is that what these people are experts at? You know, finding these people who you hear out there saying that um, math is racist. Yeah. Yeah, that's... No, that that is exactly what happens. And it's, you know, you almost have to give them credit for the sly nature that they do this. But you have kids coming home with these questions, you know, math questions that are usually like, okay, one train is going at this speed, one train is going at this speed. They have this distance to get to. Who's going to get there first? You know, a a basic question like that, they find a way to politicize it and fit it into their narrative. So they'll take, you know, a basic question that should be about trains and making it to their destinations and put in some, quote-unquote, anti-racist messaging, such as, you know, Johnny is black and he has two apples, and um, Benny is white, and he has three apples, and he steals one apple from Johnny, and American <laughs> society supports him doing this. How many apples does he have? Yeah. You know, uh, things like that. Yeah. And kids will come home with these questions, and parents will be flabbergasted, because, of course, it has nothing to do with the subject matter in question. But this is the way that these apparent chicks push their ideology through education. Now, this insanity uh, at the college level hasn't been around for all that long, but uh, apparently, I mean, or um, I guess I'm asking you, could this be that we are seeing the results of this stuff being taught to college, college students, and these are people who major in, I don't know, do you major in uh, diversity and inclusion? I, I don't know, but they come out, with this idea that their their mission as a teacher is to do the stuff that you just described instead of teaching them that two plus two is four. That that's yeah. that's who's that's who's more and more as we go along here. That's who's going to be running the schools. These idiots who've been indoctrinated. Yes. So what we see is the left's march through the institutions where they've embedded their ideas in universities and in the schools they're training the future teachers and so the the students then are go through these through these programs and you know if you can make it through a normal college education in many of america's schools today without being indoctrinated into the left then you know imagine how much harder it is when you're in an, in an education track uh, master's or PhD level, and you're being bombarded with this ideology, and all your friends believe in this ideology, and you know it's it's everywhere, 
And if you don't accept it, you're also afraid that you're not going to be able to get a job. Yeah. And so there's this huge groupthink that's going on. And these institutions are pumping out these activists who are turning education into an activist thing. So that's why when Libs of TikTok shares those videos, I mean, these, these teachers are everywhere now. Oh, yeah. Because the universities have been taken over and they're just pumping out these, these people. And then you also have mass movements. So that there was a social movement with George Floyd. It wasn't just you know, it wasn't just the Black Lives Matter rioters in the streets trashing buildings, you know, stealing TVs, burning places to the ground. It was also a social movement where a lot of people suddenly thought, Oh no, George Floyd proves that our society is racist. What can I do to solve it? And they find these these limited ways and there's a huge leftist organization, you know, a huge network of leftist organizations out there that will push the narrative that America is inherently racist. And how can you fight back? Well, in everyday life, you can do X, Y, Z. And in your job, you can do X, Y, Z. And that often includes bringing this ideology into the classroom. So even somebody who wasn't indoctrinated necessarily in college or in graduate school to weaponize education like this can be pushed into weaponizing education like this through this social movement that we witnessed in 2020. And, and in the process, <laughs> they're doing this, and it's, it's adversely affecting black kids and Hispanic kids, which you could, you could accuse them of, of being racist for, for instilling um, these ideas into the uh, teachers' heads who then take them to the schools. And then, so that you're, you're actually you're, you're defeating the entire purpose, and you are, you are actually hurting the very people you're supposed to be helping, which who are the black and Hispanic students. So you could be accused of, if you allow that to happen, someone could, I don't know, maybe accuse you of being a racist for allowing it to continue. Well, that's the tragic irony of the situation. And, you know, this is also something I see with the transgender movement. Um, one of the biggest things I learned at Hillsdale College was how little I actually knew for certain. And you you need to go through this period where you're challenged enough to actually question your own assumptions and really work uh, from a skeptical standpoint and build things up. And what happens is there's such groupthink in these places that they won't even come close to the idea that, oh, maybe what we're doing is wrong. Uh, and maybe we're actually hurting people by doing this. They will just continue to see the problem and they will have their solution to the problem and keep pushing that solution as if it hadn't been proven to be counterproductive. And one of the most tragic things I saw along these lines was when a pregnant woman showed up to a hospital and this was reported in, um, in I think JAMA, uh, but like, and of course, they, they reported it from a transgender perspective, so it was weird. But this, this pregnant woman shows up to the hospital. The woman identifies as a man, right, and has changed her records so that she seems to be a man. But the problem is the hospital looks at this person, thinks, oh, well, this is a man, clearly can't be uh, pregnant, clearly can't be in labor, so what are we going to do? 
well, we'll hold you in the emergency room for a little bit. We'll give you some drugs. We'll do certain things. And if they had realized that this was a biological woman who was going into labor, they would have been able to deliver the baby and save both lives. But instead, what happened was because of this transgender confusion, the child died because the woman didn't get the help she needed because the doctors thought she was a man. And the, the worst part of the whole thing isn't that tragedy. It's how the hospital and how the Journal of Medicine reported it. They didn't say, oh, we need to prioritize biological sex over gender identity. They said, we need to be more nuanced in our understanding of transgender <laughs> medicine so that we don't assume that if you are male, you can't be pregnant. And it's just like, guys, it's insanity. open your eyes, question for a half second yeah. whether your basic narrative might be off. Yep. Hey, they hey, don't. hey Tyler, I'm, I'm out of time. We could go on, I'm sure, with the insanity, but I'm up against a break here. I appreciate you coming on the show, though. Thank you. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thanks okay. for having me. Okay, that's Tyler O'Neill of the uh, Daily Signal. We'll be right back. Hey, remember when you could go to a movie and they really didn't care what the sexuality of the cartoon character was or the if it was a, if it was a cartoon or it just it, that stuff didn't come into play at all when you went to a movie and it didn't have any bearing on how much you uh enjoyed or didn't enjoy it? Well, those days have been uh, over for a long time. Uh, Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com is here, uh, and he's uh, a guy who covers the movies and uh, critiques movies from a conservative uh, perspective, and uh, always good to have you on, Christian. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. So, uh, I saw this story about uh, LGBTQ content, and apparently the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, that's GLAD, I think everybody's heard of that, they have something called the Studio Responsibility Index, which is kind of scary, um, and it uh, tracks how much LGBTQ content movies studios uh, have each year, and uh, why am I not surprised that Disney wins the, wins the race this year? Yeah, no one is surprised, I would imagine, because that's been their focus, the company's focused for a little while now, and that has gotten them into trouble in certain quarters for sure. Uh, the, the, that, that kind of uh, programming has not helped them at the box office or even at the streaming level. Both, their, both Disney sides are suffering at the moment, and, but that, that is their, their prime directive at this point. And so that's why they got kudos from GLAAD, and that's a reason why the studio is not in this good a shape as it once was. And, and for some people who love the Disney brand and love the Disney movies, they won't, they won't be going back to Disney. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think this is about hating people who are different or, or not, not enjoying diversity to a certain extent, but you know, these are kids stories. And I, I think sexuality really often shouldn't even come into play. I mean, it should just be stories about friends and, 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 you know, trouble and, and, and heroes and villains and things like that. And I don't think you need to go there. And, and but Disney does, and uh, it's their not so secret agenda, as uh, an audio recording has revealed. And that's where you get the results you got from from Glad. Yeah, uh, five theatrical release releases, and all five included LGBTQ characters. So so that's that only happens if you are um, making sure that it happens. 
that you set out with a goal that, okay, uh, when you look at a script and somebody brings in a script for a, for a movie idea to a producer, they must be saying, oh, well, wait a minute, where's the gay character? If it's not in there, that's what they're, they're going to have to ask you. We, we can't do this movie without at least one gay character, can we? And I think what's important to note is that at the same time the representation is going up in this manner, you're seeing a lot of Disney flops. I mean, uh, the studio has really suffered in the last couple of years. Movies like Lightyear and the recent Indiana Jones movie, even The Creator, which I believe is a Disney, I think Disney owns, uh, you know, is part of their studio empire. They're failing and, and, you know, people aren't going to the movies. Now, there's not a direct cause and effect. Like if you make a movie and there's, you know, gay representation, it will fail at the box office. But I, what I've found is, as someone who follows the scene and reviews movies and TV shows and covers this is that often when there's a push for diversity, an aggressive push in that arena, sometimes the artistic value drops. And I think just because the focus is different. You should be focusing on making the best story possible. And along the way, if there are gay actors or people of color who are, you know, uh, who represent the story and can bring something special to the, to, the, to the presentation, then that's wonderful. Go for it. But I think when the focus is on diversity, when it's on woke, that sometimes the, the storytelling suffers. And I, I, I think that's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, and just in case you were wondering, the, um, here's, what, here's the criteria that uh, GLAD uses, some of it anyway. The film cont- and this is how the, I, this is how you get your grade, and this is how Disney won the contest, if that's what it was. The film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and/or queer. Now, I still am a little confused about what queer is as opposed to gay, and I, you know, I'm, I'm and I'm not going to spend five seconds trying to figure it out. But um, <laughs> could you imagine sitting in a movie and and some kid twelve years old, ten years old? That he he's going to even notice whether somebody is either gay or queer. Uh, just what, it's just such insanity, Christian. Just leave it alone. Let's do the movie. Yeah, and, and you know, we think about the movies. Uh, I think about the movies of my childhood, like you know, Star Wars, and yeah. there was a romance there with uh, you know uh, Han and Leia for sure. But the vast, vast universe of characters. I didn't know what their sexuality was. Didn't I didn't know that wasn't didn't care. Didn't matter. Didn't factor into the story. It wasn't about that. So I, I think that's part of it too. I mean, why do we need to make it so ever present? Uh, you know, and I think another thing that these measures reveal is that they don't happen in a vacuum. We're seeing a lot of diversity box checking within the Hollywood ecosystem now. You know, if you want to, uh, you know, be up for Best Picture, you've got to meet certain oh, criteria, yeah. or you can't. So you know, these things don't happen in vacuum where it's not just them saying, okay, we've made progress or there's been a difference or there's been an increase in diversity. And, you know, those are all cultural markers and we can have those discussions and conversations. That's fine. But it, there's this implied do better, do better or something will change. And that, that's a little, little creepy to me. Yeah, uh, you, you, we've talked about that here uh, when you've been on the show. The, the, as, as for this this coming Academy Awards, which will be awarded in what February or March, whatever it is, the movies that will be nominated, they have to have certain. Uh, are they going to be required to have an LGBTQ element in there somewhere to be considered, or is, or is it more race than it is gender and sexual orientation? It's a yes and a no answer because there are several different measurements that they have to come up with. So if they don't have 
enough diversity on the screen in the story, then perhaps you need it behind the scenes with a cast and the crew uh, measure up to those standards. So there are different ways to get included in the best picture uh, arena. So it isn't just that there's a gay character on screen. It could be there's no gay characters on screen, but your your crew is 50 percent people from diverse backgrounds or minorities or whatever phrasing that they use, which is often clunky. And I can't remember word for word. But so, yeah, you have to kind of jump through specific hoops. And to me, the bottom line and and one of the few people who's actually spoken out against this is Richard Dreyfuss is it's art. And listen, there's commerce involved. I get that. It's movies. They have to make money. But at the end of the day, they are telling stories. And what if you've got a story in a specific community that doesn't doesn't reflect diversity? And what if the actors and the directors don't specifically reflect diversity in the way that they need to? And by the way, if we do the whole diversity dance, how about conservatives and Christians who are obviously uh, mistreated or Mm -hmm. ignored or or attacked or given short shrift within Hollywood? Don't they count? I mean, they are punished directly by this industry. Why don't why don't they uh, you know pass the net the test? Why can't they be included in all these checkboxes? But they're not. That's and interesting. That's another, another yeah. conversation too. We're talking to Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. Yeah, if I, I guess it would if I were working in the or wanting to work in the um, the movie industry and I I'm out in Hollywood and I'm applying for a job, I, I, I nobody knows I'm gay unless I tell them. Uh, and so why wouldn't I walk in there and say, yeah, I just, just, by the way, I'm gay because <laughs> that just increased my chance of getting a job because they have to have a, there's a quota. Yeah. But conversely, if I'm a young actor or actress, I'm moving to Hollywood. I've studied. I think I've got, I've got the goods. I, I'm a, I could, you know, I could give a great performance. I'm going to go look at my social media feed and think, well, do I have any messages or, or opinions oh, yeah. that are, not shared oh by my Hollywood peers because I might just go erase those tweets or those Instagram posts because I don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I, I've actually heard stories where casting directors will scour through those social media backgrounds. You think it's hard getting a job as is in Hollywood, and it's brutal. The competition is fierce. Mm-hmm. Imagine you are right of center or you're pro-life and you're looking for a gig. Well, well heaven help you if, if that casting director looks over your posts and says, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I, I think this person's out. Because you know that's happening. Yeah, and here's the interesting thing. Uh, this is this, as part of the uh, criteria that GLAD uses to uh, grade the movies on whether they're doing a good enough job uh, as far as their uh, their depiction or their characterization of LGBTQ characters. The LGBTQ character story must not be outwardly offensive, avoids defaulting <laughs> to well-known tropes or stereotypes with no further development, in films with multiple LGBTQ characters, at least one character must pass this point for the film to pass the test. That's a little complicated, but can you imagine them doing that with a, a straight white person? It must not be outwardly offensive, or a Christian can't be outwardly offensive? Uh, you're it's only allowed to show it. LGBTQ <laughs> people as wonderful people. You know, one of the many, many reasons why I love the show Modern Family, because Cam and Mitchell, the gay couple in the show, yeah were flawed. They were, they were, uh, uh, sometimes they, they had short fuses. They were mean to each other. Sometimes they could be selfish. They could be all these different character traits that make people human. 
And I thought they were, they were well-rounded and I thought they were real and obviously very funny. And they just came off as, as genuine characters that made the show richer and brighter. Yeah, and no. that's what we, you know, you don't get that if you have to kind of, Oh my God, well, what if the person's being offensive or what if the person's being stereotypical? Because I think it was Mitch on the show. I, I, I always get their names confused. The, the heavyset fellow, uh, played by Eric Stone street, yeah. he would be screaming and he'd be mincing at times uh, that's offensive. That's a stereotype, isn't it? Should we shut that down? Yeah. I don't no. know. Uh, no. Uh, what's the movie with um, Robin? Is it Robin Williams? Uh, uh, Birdcage. Yeah. Th- w- would that be offensive now? That was a pretty popular movie and did well, and the critics loved it. Yeah, it, it may very well be. I mean, that's that's why this whole woke situation gets under my skin, because I want storytellers to tell, to tell stories, to tell what they what, what's from their heart, to, to be uh, freed from, from shackles and not worry about, oh, who am I offending now with this particular character or the story arc? And if you have all these different guidelines, officially or unofficially in place, you can't, you can't do that, you can't go there. And it makes for worse stories. And I think it's one of the reasons why we, there haven't been so many great films in recent years, because you got to be careful what you do, what you say, and what you write. Yeah, we're talking to Christian Toto of uh, HollywoodandToto.com. On another subject, while I have you here, Christian, uh, I, I do go to movies. Um, I try. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having a tougher time finding ones that I can sit through. But um, I, I, one that, one that I, uh, I'm looking forward to, based on having seen the trailer, uh, is Killers of the uh, Flower Moon. It's um, DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And, uh, you know, I have to force myself to support a movie that includes people like him who I, I'm not going to be like a liberal and refuse to go because he's, you know, a, a not, because I'm a conservative. But anyway, that movie, tying in with what we're talking about here, um, will I don't know if you've seen a preview of it or anything, but the, will and the, what happens in those movies a lot and what turns me off is that you end, you have a story that's a true story that is a story that uh, it probably include. well, it doesn't probably, it definitely uh, includes white people being very bad to people of color, but it's the level to which the, the, they exaggerate the two. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is every, is every person in this movie, every white person in this movie going to be evil and every Native American going to be a saint? Because that happens a lot. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I understand that. And the fear is real, but is also is Martin Scorsese, who's one of our best directors. Okay. And hopefully he can stay above the fray and not push his story in that obvious, predictable direction. I, I, I have to hope that he is able to do so, that he has the power to do so, and also the will to do so, to tell a more complex story and not fall prey to the, the current storylines that we must adhere to at times. So uh, my fingers are crossed. I'm seeing you next week. He comes out later this month. And, you know, he's one of our best. So if, if he can't do it, I think, I think we're in trouble. If he starts going woke in, in that direction, uh, then I think that uh, the, this, the Hollywood capture has been complete. But I, I, I'm, still, I'm still thinking he's going to deliver, if not a great story, at least a very good one, because his track record is so, uh, so spectacular. Well, the trailers look spectacular, and it's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI. Um, and it involves uh, the in- Indians on uh, Native Americans on a land that were moved to really ugly land in Oklahoma that they 
they figured that they could give them the land because no, nobody really wanted it until they found oil in there. And then there was all kinds of money, and then bad things started to happen. That's what, that's what the story is about for people who don't know. But, um, you know, it's the kind of movie that I don't know how you do this, but if, if it's a, an historical movie that claims to be based on or is a true story, I don't look up any of the information to find how true it is to the true story because I don't want it to ruin the movie for me. I wait till after the fact. I'm the same way. You don't want to spoil things. And, and then you're even more curious to see how, how true they stay to the narrative and how much creative license there was happening, you know, within the film, but these are stories and they do have that license. And if they think it's going to make a better story by twisting this here or there while keeping hopefully the integrity of what happened. And so that's been acceptable. And it's what's, what we've watched for years and decades. So I, my, I just, it's one of the few movies I'm really looking forward to, so I hope it, hope it lives up to its potential. i got 30 seconds left. What's the, what's the best movie out there right now for people to go to see? Oh, gosh. You know, it's been kind of a quiet time for movies of late. This is a bit of a slowdown, but we are starting to see some bigger names. The Exorcist Believer comes out uh, this weekend, and I, I thought it started very well and got very weak at the end. You know, I thought the creator was interesting with great visual effects and lots of meaty ideas, but it too fell prey to a rough third act. And also there's a, an anti-human element, which I can't say much more about, but I, I found that rather dispiriting. So uh, nothing's rushing to mind as far as something you could see on the big screen right now, but hopefully uh, new entries will fix that in the weeks to come. Well, always good to have you on. I'm sure we'll talk about. I, I'm I'm going to be looking forward to talk to you about this uh, the uh, Scorsese movie coming out. And I appreciate you coming on as usual, Christian. Thank you. Okay, that's Christian Toto, HollywoodInToto.com. Well, maybe you heard. I don't know. It's been kind of in the news lately. Um, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as Speaker of the House yesterday. It's in case you haven't heard that, I think it's been pretty well documented here in the last day or so. And uh, you may have noticed that I didn't mention it here on the show up until now. We only have a minute or two left here. Um, I, I do this for a reason. I just want to explain to you. Um, it's obviously a big story. And I just got finished talking uh, to uh, Christian Toto about movies. Um, it's not that important compared to Speaker of the House being yanked. But um, I do it. I purposely I, I could have had people on to talk about Kevin McCarthy and what it means and what the Republicans have to do and I've believe me I've been reading all the stuff and watching it and I I'm, a, I'm pretty well informed about what's going on but um, just so you know I I think that you're going to be hearing that stuff all day long on this station because of what the Sale Network does and I don't think that's a bad thing that's good they do a great job covering this stuff. But I try not to just jump on the most obvious topic. Sometimes I do, but um, so I, I, I just, I just didn't feel like I wanted to spend a lot of time talking about Kevin McCarthy because it's been going on now for almost twenty, about twenty-four hours that we've known that he's been yanked and it's a historic and all that stuff. And the other side of that is, I'm. I'm getting the feeling that I'm not supposed to like Matt Gates if I'm a conservative, and I, I kind of like him. Sorry, I kind of like what he's been saying, and I'm, I'm, just my initial reaction to this could be wrong, 
when what is it eight eight people eight eight people in in the house decided to do this. I give them some credit for having guts. They all knew, especially Gates. They, he knew what kind of criticism criticism uh, that he was going to take. So I'm leaning on the side of of the the uh, small small minority of people who are finally pushing back and saying what most people in the country, most conservatives and Republicans, have been saying for a long time: quit spending money, fix it. That's what he's saying. And he had the guts to say it. So sorry, I kind of like Matt Gates. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.